Let me ask you a question before we open the Bible. It's not that we're not going to open the Bible, but I want you just to think in a, in a direction with me first, okay? Could you think for a moment of the biggest breakthrough you've experienced in your life? Or what's the biggest open door that God has led you through? Or, or what's the, the biggest opportunity, the, the enlargement of opportunity that you can think of in your life. Just reflect over your life and think about some big thing. Now, we've got loads of them. <laughs> you know, we were happily settled in England and then God moved us to Toronto and then we were happily settled in Toronto and God took us from, well, we were, thought we came on vacation and it turned into a job interview and now nearly 19 years later, here we still are. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of things, aren't there? But just think for yourself, what's the biggest enlargement and breakthrough that you've experienced. Maybe it's a, a promotion, uh, or, or maybe it's been a relocation like it has for us. Like I said, if you're a fan of technology, we would love to meet you. <coughs> Maybe it's a promotion, maybe it's relocation, maybe it's freedom where God has worked in your life and set you free. Or maybe it's deliverance and, and he's, he's released you from, from bondage. Maybe it's healing, uh, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's been a change of vocation uh, and God's put you in a different place. Maybe it's been uh, salvation. Jamie was leading us in, in prayer to rededicate our lives to, to Jesus just now. Just think of the biggest breakthrough. You got it? Anybody want to shout any out? I'm not going to point at anybody, so if you just got yours and you want to hold it for yourself and God, that's fine too. But anybody want to shout out uh, a breakthrough? Your seatbelt story, you probably ought to explain that because there's a couple of other folks here who don't necessarily, haven't necessarily heard that. But why don't you just tell us the Reader's Digest version of the seatbelt story? How to do that. When we moved to Toronto from England, I saw God moving and touching people's hearts. And I had such a, I had a history with God and like God guided me and, and I knew his word, I knew, I knew his voice, but I saw him touching people in a very deep place. And I realized that I, I really wanted that, it looked amazing. And I said, God, I, whatever it takes, I want that. And I was seeing people just being touched in a very deep place and I realized that I'd built up walls to protect myself from pain. But now those walls are in the way. Now I needed and wanted to receive God's love. And so I, was, I found myself sometimes like saying, here I am and just standing there like a pillar, whereas everyone else was really receiving. And I felt very like frustrated because I couldn't try more. I couldn't try less, you know. But he led us through our time in Toronto and through understanding that I'd made heart choices and he incredibly led me back to something that I had chosen when I was first conceived. And I had, I mean, that's a, that's a big jump for you all, but, but, um, <laughs> but he showed me that I had felt in the way and that my little spirit, even at this size, had decided that I needed to hide 
And so in my, God showed me, I didn't remember any of this, but he showed me that when I chose to hide, I took over his job because he said, I'm the one who covers you and, and I will cover you. But when you chose to hide, you sort of took over my job and that gave the enemy a right to keep you hidden. And so through my life, if you understood or saw me, I was very awkward and like I had anorexia. I was like, when I understood this, it was like, God, I want to f- ask for forgiveness. Of course, I forgive anybody concerned in that situation that wasn't a big deal at all that was very easy um but i forgave my parents and i i just said god i've asked you to forgive me for me for me choosing to hide and it was like a seat belt came off my life and i literally stepped into being jane from at that point forward it was like i could receive love for the first time and i could give love and it, literally, I was so different. I've never, I've never felt empty again. I literally always felt empty here, but after that, I've never felt empty. Amen. Breakthrough is good, isn't it? Anybody else want to shout out a breakthrough or share a short testimony? No pressure, but you're welcome. Well, there you go. Yeah, Robert's biggest breakthrough, convincing Jamie to marry him. Jamie, you want to comment on that? (laughs) It's great. I love it. Every one of us, it may not be something you want to stand up and tell other people about, but every one of us has got some point in our lives and some, often several, where God has done something and you've stepped into a bigger place. Is that true? Yeah? Good. Yes. So, now let's enlarge our focus and enlarge our scope for a moment. Talk to me for a few moments here about what is it that Jesus has done, the big picture of what Jesus has done. Not just what has he done for you, what has he done for everybody? Shout out some thoughts, some ideas. Salvation. Salvation. Yes? He's made a way back to the Father. What else? He's prepared a place for us. So he's ready for us to be united with him. Right? Yeah. I love that. Cool. He shows us and gives us real love. That's beautiful. Yes. He took on our sin. So where is our sin now? On him. And where is he now? At the right hand of the Father. Okay, so your sin's a long way away. That's good news, isn't it? (laughs) He's given us life. Connections and relationships, that's so important, isn't it? He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to be the living presence of that connection with God, but also the means of us connecting and having a relationship with one another. Yeah, It's a little bit like Jamie was talking about. Once you get the connection with God in your spirit, in your heart, once you're born again, to use the words that Jesus used, suddenly you're able to actually connect with other people on a whole different level, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's so good. I love it. 
the word that's been kind of brewing in me this week is the word opportunity. Because I want us to grasp how much opportunity we have. And that's why I love the worship. I mean, every week, the worship team don't know what's on the preacher's heart and what God's downloading. And the preacher doesn't know what God's downloading to the worship team. But you notice how it always blends together. And I love that. Beautiful. And uh, so thankful for our, our worship team. Um, so I want you to think about opportunity because the opportunity that there is in your life at this very moment is much bigger than you think. Much bigger than you think. I, I found this um, verse in Luke 22. This is Jesus speaking to religious people who were determined to put limits on him. And he says this, But from now on, this is verse 69 of Luke 22, But from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. That's pretty unlimited, isn't it? <laughs> yeah? He's saying, you can't touch me. I mean, yeah, you can kill me, but you can't touch me. <laughs> because from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So from there, I then went to Ephesians chapter 1. Because I love this prayer. And if I'm really honest, this is my prayer for us this morning. My prayer for you this morning. Let me read it to you. Verse 15 of Ephesians 1. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? That's what we just read, wasn't it? Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. <laughs> I'm done. Did you catch all of those superlatives? Yeah? It's immense what God has done in Jesus, and all of it is yours. That's what Paul's praying. He's praying that somehow little old you would get stretched big enough to be able to glimpse just a tiny bit of how big God has done. And I'm not talking good English. 
like a good Englishman should, but there we go. The way I would put it is this. The opportunity that God has already won for all of us is never going to be exceeded. There is unlimited opportunity for you and for me. But if we're honest, we don't live like that, do we? Right? Let's be real as well as hopeful. Because <laughs> the point is God wants to stretch us today. He wants to expand us. He wants us to grasp a little more. And he's going to keep on stretching you and keep on expanding you until one day you'll get so expanded and so stretched, something will snap and you'll see Jesus face to face. <laughs> yeah? Keep being stretched. In the day-to-day, we're to live, as Paul encourages us, just in, in my Bible, just one page back, on Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, there's our word, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. What does everyone mean? Everyone. You're sharp this morning. This is good. Yeah. At least two of you are tracking with me. This is wonderful. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Don't panic, okay? Don't be all reserved with me. <laughs> As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What that means is Sunday morning is practice. Right? Sunday morning's practice. Come in here, love on these relatively okay people that show up with you. All right? Practice on them so that when you meet somebody who's even more challenging than Mark to be nice to, you'll have practiced. Because then you can do good to everyone. Now, why can you do good to everyone? Well, because Jesus has done unlimited good for the universe. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, having done all of that stuff we just saw in the prayer over the page. Jesus has already done it, but we have opportunity, Paul says. Oh, that's the, the ESV translation. Yours may say something a little different. The Greek word there is kairos. And it's referring to time. But it's not referring to time like you and I are used to, to time, that you know we start at 10.30. I'm hesitant to talk about the timings of our meetings because they're always kairos and not chronos. There's two Greek words for time. Chronos is what we all live by Monday through Friday. Yeah, We have to show up for this at this time and finish that at that time and be early or be late or get stuck in traffic and, and the time keeps ticking. That's chronos. Okay, there are whatever it is, 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour. Why do we do it with 60s? I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> That's chronos. It's kind of chronological. Did you catch that? That was a Greek lesson right there. But there's another word for time, and it's kairos. You see, chronos is man's timing, but kairos is God's timing. It's event-based. It's the right moment for the right thing to happen in God's plan. 
if you want to put it another way, kairos is when God sidelines Kronos. Kronos steps back for a moment so that God can do something. And that's what Paul says when he says, as we have opportunity, as we have kairos, as God steps in to do something, let's join in and do good to everyone. And the word for good there is very clearly defining being like God. That's the good word. So it's not somebody else's opinion of, oh, this is good and that's bad. It's being like God at a God moment for everyone. That's the opportunity that we have. You come back to Ephesians with me, towards the end of Ephesians. Paul seems to like to wrap up his letters with these kinds of thoughts. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. There's Kairos and Kronos in one sentence. Kronos in the end, is evil because it just keeps us marching on on a human plane. But kairos, making the best use of the time, he says, that's that same word, kairos, if we make the best use of the time, we're walking wisely. And we're not just talking about walking as opposed to driving. Okay, How many of you got Fitbits and things, you're aiming for your 10,000 steps a day? It's not that kind of walking that Paul's talking about. I mean, that's good. <laughs> but your walk is your whole life. He's speaking Hebraically. He's speaking from the perspective of God where your whole life is supposed to be this, it's almost circular, that your, 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 your global life is walked out from Kairos to Kairos to Kairos, from moment to moment to moment where God breaks in and does he wants our lives to be this continuous cycle of God did this, God did that. That's why I asked you to think of your biggest one at the beginning. Because when we remember some of our big breakthroughs, it makes us more sensitive to the little ones as well. And when you look at life, it's this beautiful cycle of godly breakthroughs. And that is the opportunity that you and I live in. Paul wants us to experience unlimited opportunity. So what kind of examples of opportunity does Jesus have for you and for me today? I've got uh, four of them. And one or more of these may be relevant to you. It may be a, a kairos moment for you. Let's look at those four briefly and then we're going to close with communion and prayer. The first opportunity we've already touched on, it's the opportunity to reconnect with God. The opportunity to reconnect with God. It's probably the most significant opportunity that God keeps giving us. He wants us to keep on reconnecting. You say, well, I did that. Yeah, but if I did it in the past and now I do it again in Kronos, that means I didn't do it right the first time. Because Kronos is a, is a linear thing. But God is not linear. He's cyclical. He wants us to keep reconnecting with him. He wants this to be relationship. 
the relationships that you're in, whether it's a, 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 a roommate or, or a friend or a spouse, if you don't keep reconnecting, the, the, the relationship starts to dwindle, doesn't it? You know, think about if, if I hadn't told this lady I loved her every day for the last 33 years, 33 years ago is a long time ago. Yeah, I told her I loved her before she agreed to have a ring and, and all of that, but that's a long time back. Now, did it, does it mean I got it wrong 33 years ago when I first said it? Did I have to say it again this morning? No. It's a deepening, isn't it? It's cyclical. It's going round again. And gosh, I've made it go round again and again and again. Opportunity to reconnect with God. 1 John 4, verse 8 says, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. In other words, God is the one who's reaching out to you and to me to reconnect. So when we're looking at the opportunity to reconnect with God, God is always doing this. I'm picking on you just because you're closest. but <laughs> God is always doing this. And we have a choice. Either you can or you can't. Either you will or you won't. Would you like to reach out and connect? You see how easy it is, but there's always the opportunity to reconnect with God. Anybody think of any other verses or scriptures about reconnecting with God? They're all through the Bible. I just picked one, but there's lots of them, aren't there? Kind of drop that one on you. Don't worry. There are so many. You'll think of them in the car on the way home. <laughs> loads and loads of scriptures that urge us to reconnect with God in here. It's unlimited. The second opportunity is to reconcile others with God, but also with us. So reconciliation is a second opportunity that is unlimited now because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. 2 Corinthians 5 says, from verse 17... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Got that? He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So when you said yes to being reconciled with God, he gave you the ministry of doing that with others. Of bringing others into reconciliation with God, but also bringing others into reconciliation with one another. It's the same process. Sorry, I chased a squirrel there, didn't I? <laughs> gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
So there's the trick to experiencing reconciliation with others. Let me have a quick show of hands. How many people here have experienced separation from somebody else because of either something you did wrong or something they did wrong or something that went wrong and it wasn't either of you directly? Okay, so you're all still awake and you're all still with me. We all have, right? Reconciliation is a universal human need. But Paul gives us the key here, not counting their trespasses against them. That is very, very simple and not at all easy. It's very simple. You cannot count against others their trespasses. That takes a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do it, right? But it's worth it because of reconciliation and because of it's what the God has done with us. God, and he goes on to say, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So when God didn't count my trespasses against me and he reconciled me, he wants me to catch how that blessed me and he's entrusted me with the ministry of reconciliation, helping others to step into the same. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are a very important person, a VIP. You have a diplomatic passport into wherever God sends you. You are an ambassador for Christ. Whether it's into the courthouse or the hospital or wherever it is you go, your neighborhood, your family, your workplace. You are an ambassador for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is your commission as a very important person. Because reconciliation is unlimited. The opportunity for reconciliation has no limit because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above everything else. The third opportunity, you won't like this one. <laughs> well, you might. The third opportunity kind of follows along from the second one. It's the opportunity to offend without being offensive. <laughs> Jane and I are reading through the book of Acts at the moment. And in Acts 5, the apostles who are demonstrating the power of God all over the place, in fact, somebody who cheated on the offering just dropped dead a few verses earlier. <laughs> I didn't want to preach on that before we passed the baskets. But, <laughs> but <laughs> there's all kinds of powerful stuff happening that people have never seen before. And the religious leaders don't like it because this is a bunch of common folks who haven't gone through the religious training school. And so they bring them in, and they tell them, don't preach, don't demonstrate the power of God. And the apostle's like, sorry guys, God do it anyway. 
I'm paraphrasing, but this is Acts 5, 17 through 42. It's too long to read it, so I'm just telling you the Mark translation. Then they get supernaturally released from prison. Okay, so the, 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 the boss people put them in prison, and, and they're left there overnight so they can get the special council together to decide what are we going to do with these useless people. And when they come to get them back out, they're gone. It's like, wait, <laughs> the doors are still locked and the guards are still here, but the prisoners are gone. Where are they? Well, they're in the temple doing what God told them to do, which is teaching all the people that Jesus is alive and there's power in the resurrection. And there's people getting healed and people getting set free. And so they go on teaching in obedience to God. They're not attacking the authorities, but they are declaring the kingdom. So the apostles are being obedient, which to others is offensive. But they're not being offensive. They're just saying, Jesus is alive. The kingdom of God is coming. The resurrection really happened. We saw it. You can benefit from this. They're just being, this is me. I saw him. He's up there somewhere. He disappeared into a cloud. But I am completely changed because of what I've seen. Now that offends others. But I'm not setting out to see how I can needle other people. Does that make sense? Okay. The problem with too many Christians today is that we think we need to be offensive because people are offended by Jesus. No, the apostles were in no way offensive. They were very honoring of the authorities. They're like, you can choose, you can decide. Is it right that we should obey you or should we obey God? <laughs> well, that's a no-brainer in the end, isn't it? <laughs> they were offending the elite but not for the purpose of being offensive. And when they were beaten <laughs> and released, they rejoiced. I've got a way to go. <laughs> but they rejoiced because they'd been worthy to suffer for the amazing thing that they had witnessed. Father, would you give us boldness to offend where necessary, but would you give us wisdom to not be offensive unnecessarily? We can't do that, but you can. And when we suffer, <laughs> when we get beaten, would you give us the grace to rejoice because it's for you? final one is the opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And this really flows right on from what I just said. You see, Jesus gives many, many opportunities to demonstrate the kingdom. Not just to talk about it, but to actually be it and do it and live it. And most of them have a fence attached. <laughs> if you look through in the Gospels, the times where Jesus sends people out to demonstrate the kingdom, all of it is going to be risky. And that's fine. He sends out the apostles in Matthew 10, from verse 5. Sends out the 12, and he tells them where to go and how to do it and what to do. He says, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How big is the kingdom of heaven? Big. 
unlimited. Yeah? Right. Now, could you just stretch out your hand in front of you? See where the furthest tip... I won't do that with it, but... See where the tip of your longest finger is? Where does Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is? At hand. How close is that? So, when you look at your hand in front of you, just see unlimited in your hand. Right? The kingdom of heaven is unlimited and it's at hand. <laughs> I'd say that's good news, right? So he does that with the apostles and he tells them what it might look like in their context. This is not a, a finite list, but it's just a hint of the enormity of what the kingdom of God looks like. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, receive without paying, give without pay. Okay, yeah, that covers most things, <laughs> doesn't it? And then he says, and if anyone won't receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave and truly it'll be terrible for that place. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So it's very simple, but it's not easy. But he sends out the apostles to demonstrate the kingdom. And there's going to be offense, but they are not going to cause it. The kingdom is going to cause it. Then he sends out others. How many of you here would say, I'm an apostle? Not me, you. How many of you would say, I'm an apostle? No. Maybe. Yeah? Potentially, but in terms of having been somebody who saw the resurrection of Jesus, there's none of us, right? I'm not saying apostles died out, that's heresy. <laughs> yes, you're apostolic, but you're not one of the original 12 apostles, okay? But in Luke 10, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. <laughs> that's all we know about them. They were others. Well, I'm an other. <laughs> yeah? Nobody's heard of me apart from you lot. <laughs> You're an other. Tony who? <laughs> Sorry, you just happened to be in front of me. <laughs> you know? Jane who? We're others, right? Well, others are sent as well. Jesus sends out 72 others, and he tells them basically the same thing. He says, go and do all of the things that I told the apostles to do. And in verse 9 of Luke 10, he says, Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. How big is the kingdom of God? Eternal and unlimited. Okay? No end. Both in size and timing. And it's near. It's at hand. So he sends out others. And then he sends out us, Matthew 28. <laughs> All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we have unlimited opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom. It will offend, not in every case, but in some cases. But we are not to be offensive. We are to be as innocent as doves and let the kingdom do the offending. Holy Spirit enables us to live out the presence of God everywhere we go. You are God's ambassador. You've been appointed and he wants to fill you daily with the presence of the kingdom so that the prayer we prayed at the beginning will be lived out through you. We're going to receive communion in just a moment, but I want to pray that prayer one more time before we invite you to come up. And then when you come to receive communion, and as we, what we normally do is we just gather in little groups of three or four, as well as receiving the bread and the, and the cup, I want to encourage you to pray for more of the Holy Spirit in each other's lives so that the kingdom of God will be at hand for each one of us. Is that okay? It's not, you're not asking Mark to pray, although I happily will, but the kingdom of God is among us, and we're going to pray it for one another. So I don't cease to give thanks for each one of you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the Passion Translation, so it just gets another, another glance through. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. I pray that the Father of glory the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination 
flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. Hmm. So let's give thanks. <laughs> Father, you are so good, not just to us, but to all mankind, that you would have your son become a human being. And then to have him be broken on our behalf and to give us this representation of all that you've done for us. So we thank you for your body, Lord Jesus, that was broken for us. That you allowed yourself to be broken by sin so that we could be healed by your righteousness and set free to experience the kingdom in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And you told us to remember you every time we break the bread. So we remember your goodness. We remember your love. And we remember that from this time forth, you are seated at the right hand of the Father, far above. And after supper, you took a cup and you said, this is a new covenant. It's not like the old one where you have to keep all the rules and meet all the standards. This is a new covenant where your blood brings us back into relationship with God. And so as we receive, we're asking you for more. Would you bring us into that deeper place of unlimited opportunity where the kingdom of God is seen in us and through us? In Jesus' name. So we want to invite you to come forward and receive the bread and a cup and then gather in twos and threes. Thank you. Give thanks, share together, and then bless one another with more of the Holy Spirit.